Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Consider with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. You do that so much better than I do. <laughs> oh, I disagree. Listen, it was your first time. Yeah. I thought you did it great for your first Thank time. You, you were just nervous. I was. I don't know why. It's a lot of words. It's a mouthful. And I've been doing it for a year and a half. I know. That's fair. That's fair. Because I had to do it because, of course, we launched our book club in our last episode, Gilmore mm-hmm. to Read, our new segment featuring me, <laughs> featuring me <laughs> saying the words at the beginning. I know. I love Loved it. It was really great. And I was happy to be there. But this is our first Gilmore to consider in quite some time. We haven't really had a lot of time to record some Gilmore to consider. And like we mentioned at the end of our Gilmore to read episode, in asking you guys what you wanted on Instagram, a lot of people wanted to hear more of, you know, listeners calling in and talking about their opinions and their thoughts and responding to what we have to say. So as we mentioned before, if you didn't listen to our Gilmore to read episode on Thursday, we are going to be doing our Gilmore to consider segments on Tuesday after we record Gilmore to Say and we have a topic that we talk about and we just want to hear your opinions and hear what you have to say in response. So basically after every Gilmore to Say episode, you can call in regardless and know that in the next episode, we are going to play the opinions from that episode, which I really love. Me too. I'm excited about this because I feel like sometimes the most that we get is like sometimes people comment on Instagram, like on a post that we've made in association. Sometimes people like talk on the Discord or in our messages, but like we never like really fully hear anyone who's like adamantly agreeing or my favorite adamantly disagreeing Mm -hmm. and like why that is and so like when we go from week to week sometimes I'm like how do people feel how do people feel about it yeah yeah Yeah, for sure so I'm I'm really excited excited to to hear have a little bit of like a response to each episode from you guys and I know a lot of the times we'll all feel the same but I just love when we all don't feel the same (laughs) oh I know and I was kind of expecting that from our Emily Gilmore episodes these last couple weeks that people were going to call in and disagree with us and shockingly we didn't have anybody call in and disagree, but we did have people call in and share sort of some extensions on opinions that we did have, which I'm really excited yeah. to play today. And our first is from our bestie, Audrey. Hi, this is Audrey. I think Emily gets a bad rap because Lorelai is the kind of person who needs to mess up herself to figure things out. So I think no matter what Emily had done, unless she had like really given Lorelai a big leash and let her mess up, but like in a controlled way, which I think is really difficult to do, especially like as you're figuring out parenting, like I feel like that's almost impossible um, because I don't think she would have heeded any type of warning. Um, But I think Emily couldn't have done anything to help Lorelai. I think her response to it is not the best, but um, I think like she did her best as a mom and like I just watched I just watched the banana on toast scene and it was incredible um I I just am a big Emily Gilmore stan um her and I think her not having any type of life outside of her family life made all of 
Lorelai's mess ups just so much worse in her, like to her self esteem. Um, and like, yeah, I, 10 out of 10. Emily Gilmore, 10 out of 10. That's all. So there was kind of two parts to Audrey's feelings, right? The first is that Lorelai was her own person and Emily's parenting was not going to impede on that. It was not going to stop it. And it's kind of like a what came first, the chicken or the egg conversation, right? Yeah. Is Lorelai the way she is because of the way she was parented or was that just who Lorelai was and Emily was trying to kind of corral this person who was so different from her. Yeah, totally a mix of both of them. Sure. Because like there is the one hand, like I love the idea that Lorelai like needs to mess up Mm. and like a parent with a child like that would need to like give them like the safety of messing up in like this like sort of like controlled space, which like Emily Gilmore would never allow for. Mm. But on the other side of that, it's like the better parent would have like figured out how you can, I don't know, move through life without needing to like kind of destroy your own life just a little bit mess up and learn from it Mm. so I think that it's like a mix of like you know uh, nature versus nurture if you will yeah and to that point Audrey also brings up that you know it's not that she had no life outside of her family life because we hear about it and we catch glimpses of it the life she had outside of her family life was the DAR and being around these families that had kids that went to prestigious schools and stuff like that so it's like nature versus nurture in regard to Emily like she's surrounded by all of these things thinking this is the right way to do it yeah well that's she speaks to that and there's the rub yeah like that's how she was taught to be a mother Mm -hmm. and I think like to that point it's like yes she does have things outside of her family but they like pale in comparison to like what her job in the home feels like like Mm. being a mother being a wife like she really prides herself on being Richard's wife yeah and wants to be able to pride herself on being Lorelai's mother in the same way but she can't control Lorelai to like, it's almost like she's trying to control her so she can have this pride in her, mm. you know, like marrying the father of your child and mm-hmm. that sort of thing that she gets into rather dramatically. But totally. yeah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. I, lo- I loved that, Audrey. I know. This isn't about Lorelai, but I love the idea that Lorelai needs to mess up her own life. Oh, yeah. And little like, you know, little micro doses of messing things up for yourself in order to feel like you can fix them. Totally. Totally. Ooh, read her for Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Audrey was not the only listener to call in about Emily's parenting style. We had another listener call in to kind of weigh in on her thoughts about Emily's parenting style. So let's hear from our bestie, Hannah. Hi, besties. Um, this is Hannah, a longtime listener, first time caller. And um, I've been watching Gilmore Girls since I was 10. When it first came out, I started watching it with my mom. And I feel like when I was younger, I didn't really have an opinion on Emily at all. I was just kind of like, whatever, I'm here for Lorelai and Rory and, and the boys. Um, but I feel like as I've gotten older, um, I like her so much more and more. And I, and it's one of those, she's one of those characters that I, I wouldn't say love to hate, but I think because Kelly Bishop is such a phenomenal actor that you just, can't deny what Emily does. Like her character is just so rich because she's so well acted and just everything that she does is like so believable. Even the crazy things that she does is so believable for a mom to do because Kelly Bishop's just so amazing. Um, but one of the things that I think about and like listening to the podcast and like rewatching the show and everything is she's 
I agree with you all 100% that she's 100% always team Lorelai. Like, her end goal is always to, like, have Lorelai, Lorelai's interest and her version of her best interest at heart. Um, I think about, like, the way that she shows up for Lorelai. Like, she hurts Lorelai a lot, obviously, by some of the things that she does. But when she witnesses someone else putting Lorelai in pain, she is always there, always sympathetic. Like, the example, like, Haunted Leg is one of my favorite episodes ever that speech that Lorelai gives, gives Chris. I could watch it over and over again and how she swoops in and helps her. Um, and then, you know, just any time that anyone else is giving Lorelai any pain, even like Richard, um, when he kind of screws Lorelai over with take the Yale thing and um, the Jason thing, Lorelai um, gets hurt by her dad and her mom still shows up for her. So that's sort of my opinion on their relationship is she might do a lot of damage, but if someone else is the one who's hurting Lorelai, she's going to swoop in and, and save her. Thanks. Ooh, that's interesting so true. Take. Yeah, it is true. And it wasn't until Hannah called in that I really thought about that because yeah. we've spoken to this so much on the podcast that Emily is generally team Lorelai. But those moments that we feel like Emily is team Lorelai really come from these moments that Hannah just spoke to when she swoops in and is kind of like, there to defend Lorelai or pick up the pieces when someone else hurts Lorelai. Yeah. And this goes back to the control, right? We spoke to this in the last two episodes. Emily is someone who needs control. And you were just talking about this from our last voicemail. Like she has to kind of have that. She has to control Lorelai and she has to control a lot of things around her. But when it comes to Lorelai, if something happens to Lorelai that's outside of Emily's control, that's when she tries to take over and like swoop in and save the day. Yeah. And it's so true. There are so many moments I can think of off the top of my head, not just, you know, the Chris thing um, in season three, but also in season three, let the games begin that Hannah spoke to about Richard setting up the meeting at Mm -hmm. Yale. But it's when Richard, you know, and this is this is from a more personal standpoint from Emily, that Richard is kind of going after Jason and she's like, we're going to lose Lorelai. Is it really necessary for you to go after Jason? And that is another moment when she kind of swoops in and is like, what are you doing? In season two, when Richard gets upset with Rory over Dean and then Emily finds out about Lorelai and she goes to Richard and she's like, we need to fix this. That's more for Rory, but it is about Lorelai, you know? Yeah. Is there a moment when you feel like someone else has hurt Lorelai and Emily doesn't come to it? Well, I mean, the only one I can think of is when Rory does it Mm -hmm. and they side with Rory, which like that was because they were getting a second chance at their new and improved Lorelai. Yeah, but it's also they were involved in hurting her. It wasn't just Rory. It was that they're helping Rory hurt Lorelai by thinking they're helping Rory. And yeah, it was very self, it was very self-indulgent because they thought that they were getting a second chance of raising a daughter and putting her on the right path because they feel like, I guess they messed up with Lorelai in a lot of ways. But interestingly, the time that I, that comes to mind that I feel like somebody else hurt Lorelai and Emily wasn't immediately there to swoop in is in season three, episode one, those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer when she finds out that Chris's girlfriend is pregnant and it, you know, now he's no longer with Lorelai because yeah. she instantly assumes that Lorelai has done something wrong. And upon finding out, yeah. you know, of course, she starts zeroing in on like, well, Christopher wants to be with Lorelai. And she ends up getting into that argument with Richard as Lorelai leaves. And it's not until 
the end of Haunted Like that we see Emily kind of swoop in. Yeah, when she verbalizes it, when she says, yeah. it's hurting me. Yeah. So I guess when she like finds out that it's the depth of it, because originally in Lazy Hazy, when they go to dinner, she's just like, you're flitting from man to man. So it's almost like she needs to like recognize that it's hurting her. Mm. It's interesting that that is kind of like the, you know, like the impetus for Emily to kind of swoop in because and Rory's birthday parties when she sees that Lorelai broke her mm. leg and that she was hurt that's kind of when her brain kind of starts rolling of like my daughter doesn't talk to me I don't know who she is mm-hmm. I don't know anything about her when you know like a couple scenes before she was like mm-hmm. I know everything about you exactly so. That's interesting. Ooh. And that that kind of comes around in Rory's dance when she sticks around because Lorelai is hurt. She's not moving. Her back is thrown out. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes up a lot. I was thinking about it after listening to Hannah's voicemail and I was like, wow. I mean, driving Miss Gilmore when she realizes that, you know, when she says something to the effect of like, we're not getting married Luke and I, it's not going to happen. You know, Emily is the one to comfort her. We spoke about that in the last episode. Um, There are so many moments. Yeah. It it kind of reminds me. This is like sometimes what I do with my sisters. It's like, I'm the Mm -hmm. only one who can be mean to you. Anyone else, they're dead to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think a lot of people feel that way. And, you know, we could call into question how healthy that is, but... (laughs) We won't. (laughs) We can talk about it later. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting point because obviously I would argue that Emily Gilmore, though the most underrated Gilmore girl, is the most nuanced and complex. Mm -hmm. And I do think a lot of that is because we don't know a lot about her past and about the way she was raised. And that can really inform the kind of parent that you are. And she's really judged and criticized based on her parenting because that's the relationship that she has to both Lorelai and Rory. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tacovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know <laughs> you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tacovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tacovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out. Outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tacovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tacovis.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovis has said that they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tacovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G I L M O R E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast. So they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Our last voicemail that we're going to play today speaks to kind of the theory behind the kind of parent that Emily is and why. Hey, besties. I just have to say that your voicemail message made me panic, and I thought that I had dialed the wrong number, and then I realized that that was Lorelai's voicemail, um, but it, it caught me by surprise. I've never hung up my phone so quickly in my life. Um, anyways, hi, my name is Carly, longtime listener, never called in before. Um, never planned to call in, but Emily Gilmore is just such a delicious character, and she's my favorite, and I had to share my theory. Um, so I have nothing like to back this up. It's literally just all in my head, but I have a theory that Emily didn't really have a typical family, like whether they were, you know, like she only had one parent or she was raised by like an extended family member or, you know, maybe they were really low income and she went to college on scholarship, or maybe they're estranged. Like, in my head, Emily does not have a family, and that's why, one, we, ne like, never hear about them, and two, why it's so devastating to her that Trix never accepts her as her daughter, because all she wants is a mom. Like, all she wants is to be a part of a family. And I think, because Emily is such a like I am who I am and if you don't like it you know forget you kind of gal and I think that if anyone else treated her the way that Trix treated her she would really just tell him where to shove it but because Trix is you know supposed to be her mom and she craves that relationship and that validation with someone it hurts her so deeply that Trix just will not accept her into her family so that's my theory on our Emily Gilmore um She's just, I love her, and even though she, you know, does some really questionable things at times, I think she has one of the most interesting arcs throughout the season and the revival, and honestly, her storyline wrapping up in the revival was the only one that made me happy. So, um, love you, Bessies, all the sparkly hearts, keep doing what you're doing, and I'll catch you on the next episode. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I, I mean, oh my we gosh. spoke to this a little bit in our last episode, that part of the reason that Emily's character is redeemable in any way is because we see the other side of where her thoughts come from when she does do things that like otherwise if we hadn't seen the behind yeah. the scenes and we just saw it from Lorelai and Rory's perspective all of the time that we would be like wow Emily is a terrible human yeah <laughs> but it humanizes a person when we see the why right yeah. and so I think that's why so many people call for a prequel with Emily and Richard not just to, you know because it would be really fun to watch and to dream up but I think yeah. also because we just know so little about Emily and the way she was raised. And again, we spoke to this in the last couple episodes of what kind of parent she had that informs the kind of parent she is, because I think that that would bring a lot of empathy her way, sympathy in some regards, because there has to be a reason behind why she does the things she does, you know? Yeah, I love like I like 
<laughs> I was kind of speechless after that because I wanted to tear up just a little bit when she said that all that Emily wants is a mom and that like tricks not showing up for her in that regard was just like this disappointment of because like I mean unless you get married multiple times you really only have like one mother-in-law and your mom and you can have other mother figures in her life but for Emily it was kind of like her mom mm. and tricks and if neither of them were going to be like a true mother figure mm. she was going to miss out on that in her life and so the idea of that really just like stabbed me like straight through the heart because to Carly's point I don't think that she grew up poor because when she is making Rory's 21st birthday invitations she's talking about hers with the pearls and just kind of the way that she's talked about college and like the things that she did and Hopi I think that she grew up somewhat affluent judging from the way that she's spoken about very little about her past but I feel like we could like expound upon this whole entire like concept of like her wanting a mother figure from what she says in there's the rub which we mentioned earlier when she was like I wasn't taught to be a mother like that and to like turn that into what she Mm. wanted from a mother that she like almost accepted this that like she wasn't taught to be friends with her daughter because Mm. she wasn't friends with her mom she didn't have that relationship with her mom and so that's not what she's going to do with her daughter because that's not what she thinks is expected so it doesn't speak to any of her wants but it speaks to the reality of it which we can then project and cry about what i know and i think we could do a whole episode about that specifically like we could really get in deep with that but i agree i actually think that there is a world in which emily didn't grow up wealthy or even in an affluent environment because we never hear about her father. And that doesn't mean she didn't have one. But I think that, you know, we could build off of this idea that Emily did have to kind of marry into money and like she found a way to make it work. And that's sometimes a huge reason why people who do end up marrying into wealth really value it so much more because they didn't. Yeah, exactly. Well, because they didn't have it. I guess the way that she speaks to Shira would kind of speak to the fact that Emily was not a two-bit gold digger when she met Richard. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe not. Fresh off the bus from Hicksville. Yeah. So maybe not. Maybe that's Shira yeah. Huntsberger's tale, which there's uh, there's nothing wrong with. Do what you got to do. But yeah, no, I, I think that speaking to the mother figure of it all, like if you put the lens on this entire series of shifting your perspective to imagine a world in which Emily didn't have a relationship with her mom, even if her mom was there, that her relationship with her mom was so absent that when she married Richard, she thought that meeting tricks she might get that one day Uh, and to feel so rejected and then subsequently to feel rejected by her own daughter and then feel rejected in yes death (laughs) it's like there's there's so much to explore there i just like that i think puts a whole different connotation over the entire series and emily's i know do you feel like that that then lends like a very like heartbreaking sentiment behind the like idea of her clinging and like grasping so hard to Lorelai and like because her own mother let her get so far from her and didn't Mm. care it seems to have any sort of like personal connection with her whether or not she you know passed or is still alive and doesn't care about Emily that like Emily is like grasping fingers tight around Lorelai's arm simply because she doesn't want that to happen totally no i think that that could absolutely be it i think so (laughs) often the pendulum swings one way or the next right when we're parented a certain way and we feel like you know that way was the best then that's how we choose to parent yeah I say that as a parent to a very small furry thing that's sitting next to me right here. It is a cat. 
like, you were saying that was like Tara, something to tell us. But, Luna. you know, this is what I can imagine. I, I also imagine that in the other direction, on the other end of this spectrum, if you were parented in a way that you didn't feel nurtured you in the way that you wish you could have been, you may go in the opposite direction. And so I think that there's a lot of room yeah. there for Emily to have been parented in such a way where her mom didn't really like care. And so Emily cared way too much. And that ended up backfiring on her. But I guess we won't know unless yeah. we write ourselves a little prequel. I know. Amy, this is um this is Tara and Haley. We really would love a prequel. And if you need any assistance, please let us know. Please please let us know. <laughs> I'm really glad that you brought her up because I actually have been holding on to something that I found or that was kind of brought to me in a way a couple days ago by the universe. By the universe that I wanted to share with you oh, on wow. our go more to consider today to wrap things up. It's actually not about Emily, but I think I shared with you, you know, last week that I joined the Gilmore Girls subreddit, a land I have never really taken a dive into <laughs> whatsoever. And gosh, are there so <laughs> many things me that I died. But because I joined, like I don't really check on it very frequently, but because I joined, I get emails sometimes from the Gilmore oh, Girls subreddit. I know, kills Dead. me. <laughs> so I'll get one like every couple days. And for some reason on this night, a couple nights ago, I got an email from the Gilmore Girls subreddit about a post that had been posted of a page from one of the scripts in season two that I guess landed on the cutting room floor. They never ended up filming this portion of the scene. It was from season two, episode three, Red Light on the Wedding Night, and it's Lorelai explaining how she went to Max and told him that she wasn't going to marry him. So I am going to read for you this page that was posted. Oh my God, dramatic reading. On the Gilmore Girls subreddit of Lorelai telling Rory. Is it real? So here's the thing. Here's the other thing is that like I looked through the comments and I was like, do we know that this is real? Like, where did this come from? Can we authenticate it? Where did it come from? Where'd it go? Yeah. Where did it come from? Cotton Candy Shane? I don't know. It seems to be real, but I'm going to read it anyway. Okay. I can't wait. Because even if it's fan fiction, you know what? Here we go. That's what we do here. So this takes place in Rory's bedroom when Lorelai comes in and she's like, pack, pack. So Rory says, Mom, what about Max? Lorelai says, I just came from Max. Rory says, what happened? Lorelai looks like the breath's been knocked out of her. Lorelai says, I told Max as well as I could what my gut's been screaming at me practically since I put this ring on my finger. And that's that it doesn't feel right. It never felt right. And I can't go through with it. And he said, why? And all I could tell him was what it wasn't. It wasn't a man. And it wasn't this. And it wasn't that. But I couldn't tell him what it was because I'm not even sure. But then the look on his face, it's like I hit him in the stomach with a hammer. And my saying it's nothing he did didn't make it better. And that look on his face, God, it's going to take me forever to figure out why I never made a set of keys for him and why it never occurred to me to try on my wedding dress every night or why my knees weren't knocking. And right now I can't keep thinking about it like this without feeling just totally hopeless. And that's why I wanted to hit the road. And that's when Marie looks at her and says, where are we going? Wow. I have to say, if this is real, I'm really glad they didn't do this. Me that's too. not it. I love the simplicity of I didn't want to try, try on my wedding, wedding dress. dress every night. Oh, so I really think that in this moment, she didn't need to tell Rory what happened. No, I wish I think that what we've spoken to is that we wish we had gotten some semblance of an idea of what happened in the later episodes. Well, this feels like this could have been read in the bed in the next episode and the road trip. to Harvard. totally. She's like not wanting to talk to her. So that that feels like that could fit there. But like it does feel very like wordy and very, you know, like it could be. 
If it's fan fiction, I think it's written pretty well. It's written well. I I don't hear Amy here. And I think that that to me was why I was like, I don't know. I want to believe this is real, but we should do that AI where we make Lauren Graham read it. I know. <laughs> see how it sounds. Well, I will say there is no period until the end of that sentence. It is all commas. It is like mm-hmm. this breathless, so maybe, wordy maybe something. Amy. But yeah, no, wasn't really wasn't really a fan. And based on the comments in the Gilmore Girl subreddit, everybody was like, yeah, I think the simplicity of because I didn't want to try on my wedding dress every night. I mean, like, it's also Lauren's acting, the way she's looking at Rory. Like, it's so good. The way she's referencing something that her mother said. That Rory was present for. Like, yeah. it's very. Smashed it. Yeah. I prefer that with the ambiguity of what we get than like the solid sort of like and this is what i said and this is what he said and this is it no we didn't need that and that's that's gilmore girls it's very nuanced amy has always been that way we don't need to see everything it's moreover that i think what the fandom was lacking was like wait so like we're not going to find out how she did it because in season three she says something to the effect of like i never called and i should have called so that's what leaves us all like uh, did you never call this man? Was, did did he show up with his printer I know. <laughs> to the Gilmore residence? Your ring doorbell just like caught Max Medina standing yeah. there. No, then that makes me wonder if if this is true, if this is actually a cut scene that they were like, this is not good. If that is how it happened. If she came from Max and mm. then that was where that was and she didn't explain it, which could be very true. But that is a lot for us to have to be like implied the writer's end. I know. Oh, that's so interesting. You're right. It doesn't quite feel like Amy, but it does feel breathless. Mm. It does feel rambling. Oh, and that's very Lorelai. Yeah. The idea of like, I don't know why I didn't make him keys. Yeah. That that might have got to me just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But I think... I think the simplicity of I didn't want to try on my wedding dress every night was perfect. But that's like so And maybe Amy. that's Amy. Yeah. yeah. Maybe who wrote this episode? Dan. Dan wrote this episode? Yeah. Yeah. So that to me sounds maybe like it could be Dan. And I think that either of them kind of going, you know what? I think it's just this. It's just simple. Yeah. I think was the smart move personally. That's what I love about Amy's writing is like there's literally so many words. Like she is known for like the WPM of this show that like Mm -hmm. witty dialogue, just like relentless. But like sometimes it's just the one liners. It's just the. I know. Something as simple as I didn't want to try my wedding dress dress every night. Yeah. Well, she'll just stab you way harder than. Yeah. A huge chunk of dialogue. Totally. Because it's saying a lot without saying a lot. And I think that it was good that this was cut. But on the topic of Amy, something that we've chosen to do is do a deep dive into Miss Amy Sherman Palladino herself because she's written so many nuanced characters like Emily, who we just spoke to, like Lorelai. And we'll have more to say on that next episode. If you have more for us to consider, unpopular opinions, spicy takes, things you think we're forgetting, or you just want to say hi, give our voicemail a call at 860-578-4653. That's 860-578-4653. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 